Summer Gonski, autumn day one, March one, Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio Wednesday. A very good morning to you, wherever and however you are listening. Good morning to everyone up there at Ballatter, just north of Narrabri. Pup, heard of Ballatter? I thought you said bladder, and I was saying, well, I actually could do with a quick weave, that's okay. Excuse you, excuse me while you're having your breakfast, but yeah, I wouldn't mind just a little bit. Oh, I thought you said bladder too, Mido. Yeah. Um, good morning, by the way. Yeah, morning, morning, morning everyone. All. Blood is good enough for mm. our first break, and I'll rush to the bathroom. It's going to be warm up there today. Anyway. It's a little gamey like playing now. Yeah, it's, don't you? Um, I can't wait till he gets to American states. Like he runs <laughs> yeah. out of towns here and then says, "Righty, oh, let's I, go to America." I can't wait for the day he walks in and goes, "Boys, this is too hard." Yeah, I'm sick of this. <laughs> I'm sick of this. Little well, we game actually get I've someone. Started. We actually get yeah. someone who knows what they're talking about mm. to read the weather. Like a weather report. Well, but it won't happen in the next week or so. No. But by the end of the season, <laughs> or the end of the year, you'll be like, oh, what, what town can I do? Yeah, yeah I'll probably you'll be chasing. Panty one day. Autumn. Autumn, that's I, it. I reckon we're probably three weeks short. I'm not sure we got no, we'll summer at the start. Summer. Yeah, we'll get a delayed summer. Yeah. You'll still be sunning yourself. You watch. Yeah, I, summer's my favourite part of the year. Oh, I'm, that's what I've done my whole life. Travel around the world following summer. Mm. Mate, don't complain about the... The uh, autumn or the winters down here? Or the no, summers. we're lucky. We're we? lucky. Well, pr- provided we don't get all the rain we got last autumn. Yeah, but even still, compared to some places around the world. Oh, yeah, we're doing in some right. cities around we're Canberra. Doing right. uh, some cities around Australia, including yeah. Canberra, in yeah, the winter. We're lucky, aren't we? Yeah, not good. Mm. Uh, teams are out, round one. For the NRL, and we'll discuss them. Third test today in indoor. Did Smitty announce? He didn't announce the eleven, did no. he? So he's waiting for the to the toss. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. Sounds like we're going to see Mitchell Stark back in the team and Cameron Green back into the team. So uh, I think my first reaction is that's great, but then I think more about it and oh, Jesus, there's a lot of risk that comes with that taking two injured bowlers into a test match to be the only two quicks. Yeah, both with finger injuries. Yeah, yeah, that is man. a gamble. Massively. Because they're talking about three spinners. Yeah, I, no, again. I think I, looking at the wicket as well, it looks very similar to what they've been playing on. So I think they'll definitely pick three spinners. Um, I actually think we've probably underused our, you know, we only had Paddy Cummins. And he obviously had a lot going on, but I think he underused himself in the last test match. You look at what India done. They've had two quicks open the bowling, take wickets up front, and then get their spinners into the game. Yeah, I just hope that Stark and Green, um, yeah, pull up okay if they have to bowl, you know, even for a full day. If Australia's in the field, for, if Australia loses a toss, India bat first. Just hope they're, yeah, hope they're ready. Well, it, uh, it'll be an intriguing test match, no doubt about that. Not as intriguing, I doubt, as the one we saw yesterday. Oh. We'll speak about that. A one-run margin. Unreal. We've only ever seen a run-one margin as the official result of a test match once before, and that was 30 years ago. Still remember it like it was yesterday. Did you Windies. watch it, Mido? I did. I saw the last hour-ish of it. Hey, awesome last hour. Oh, it was awesome. Well, the, the, the test Loved match it. Test match was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But then, to, and maybe I'm... Happier because New Zealand won. I wanted the Kiwis to win. Um, but, geez, roller coaster ride. You're like, man, England are going to get these five down at one stage. Then then it was like, they were eight down. It was like, New Zealand, impossible to lose. They still needed 40 runs, eight down. Um, not taking singles. Uh, what's the keeper's name? England keeper? Uh, folks. folks. Folks was just taking, you know, four balls the over, then taking a single. I was like, mate, you're too far out to to be taking all the strike, but he batted like a genius. Um, and then, my God, that last sort of three overs of the day, or last three overs of the, the innings, you're just sitting on the edge of your seat, not knowing what's going to happen. So brilliant for Test cricket. Great result for New Zealand um, after being sent back in, being asked to follow on. Um, and, yeah, I think England will be disappointed, but awesome. Awesome for Test cricket. Lots of uh, talent out, Loz, when you looked at the teams that were released yesterday for a round one, you know, team announcement. Lots of calf injuries. Stacks of them, it feels like. Uh, but certainly the talking point, I think, was there at the Dolphins and the fact they're giving 19-year-old Isaiah Katoa straight off the bat a debut in round one alongside Sean O'Sullivan in the halves against the Roosters and Anthony Milford. Ah. Uh, 
It just feels like this has been a conversation we've had about Anthony Milford for six, seven years now. And uh, whether his commitment is at the level it needs to be at NRL level. Well, it's not at the moment because Wayne Bennett hasn't selected him. And Wayne has said that he's lost a bit of confidence. Uh, Wayne was expecting him to hit the ground running and be a real leader for the Dolphins, but that hasn't been the case. But Katoa, he's a young, exciting player that they identified, they wanted in their system, been giving an op- uh, given an opportunity, and uh, he gets first crack at it. Look, Wayne Bennett knows Milford inside out. So, um, you know, for him not to select him in round one, He's made a big statement there to Milford saying you've got to get your act together, otherwise you mightn't pull on a Dolphins jersey anytime soon. Uh, but there is some injury dramas for a few clubs. Uh, the Roosters have been you know, hit hard with Roosters. There's no Joey Manu, there's no Jared Wurra, Hargreaves, Angus Crichton's on personal leave. Uh, you throw in Satili Tupanua uh, from last year's, and they've got uh, plenty of money sitting on the sideline. Melbourne Storm. Storm. They've got some injury concerns, not only their outside backs, uh, but a couple of key forwards in Tarek Sims and Kamakamitha. So they're a team that, when I was sitting down doing my eight, which we'll give out after 6.30 today, um, I was umming and ahhing about whether to put them mm. in my top eight, just given the injury injuries that they have at the moment and um, you know the possibility of them maybe fading out. I still think they're a good side that should make the finals. Well, it's six, seven and nine. But, That's the but I, don't think, I don't think they're a, a top four side this mm. season with the injuries they have. Even Parramatta without eight players from the grand final as well. I mean, how hard is that game to tip uh, tomorrow night? And uh, I mean, how much scribbling when you did your eight? Oh, <laughs> Actually, you know what? My, my six were okay. I had six that I just went bang. And then I just... I really didn't know what order to put them in. There, there were six there that I just didn't worry about thinking about. I just wrote down. But then the, the remaining two places, you started to hmm. think a bit harder and you started to then overanalyze. And then I said, no, don't overanalyze. Just go with what your gut is telling you. I left one team out of my eight that will infuriate. I think I was one. Uh, one from last year. Yeah, I did two. I left one out, and I was on this team all year. Well, not all year, but by the back end of the year. Right. Okay. That's coming up after 6.30 this morning, but... Uh, I've just done mine now. Done yours now? Yep. Please don't. Got my me. order. Got order. my order. Order's difficult. Well, order's a fluke if you get it right. Yeah. It's just an g- absolute guess. Yeah. yeah, we will get absolutely killed for whatever we say, but uh, who gets it right? From this point of the season to after round 26, after everyone's get, played 24 games. I don't get it right in the finals. <laughs> I can't tell you he's going to make I'm the grand final first round of the finals. It's all subjective. It's all opinion. Exactly right. For, for Manly. I did top nine. <laughs> no. Did I have to? No, you can't. I had to. Scribble. Okay, I've got equal, equal eights. No. No. You've got to put them on the line. Sorry. You both are unbelievable. For Manly fans, though, to see T. Trebojevic named at fullback uh, must give you a tickle, but uh, they're up against Canterbury on Saturday afternoon, and they suffered a real blow yesterday. The Dogs' Luke Thompson, a serious ankle injury, and he takes up a fair bit of their salary cap as well, Luke Thompson. Geez, had some uh, things go wrong, hasn't he, since he's been at the club? Feels like he has been able to put you know long strings of games together ever since he's come across from uh, the UK, but uh, I saw Gus on social media feel good yesterday say minimum six months recovery uh so that's a huge loss for the dogs as well also on top of Tavita Pengai Jr. Junior, yeah, exactly. you know they've lost a bit of grunt up front and they're taking on a manly side who seemed to be rejuvenated under Anthony Seabold and Manly were a team that I was umming and ahhing about uh in terms of putting in my top eight um but I'm banking on the fact that Tom's going to be there for the majority of the season him and Daly Cherry Evans. So if um, if that's the case, I think they'll win more games than they lose. Um, but just exciting to have the rugby league back. You know, we've got 31 weeks of football, 27 rounds, four finals, uh, weekends, and it's a long season. Um, some teams that get injuries now, they're hoping that all those players will recover and be back there at the end of the season. But you just don't want 
to have these injuries continue all the way through the year because that would affect your preparation and it'll affect your performance um, and it'll come down to the team with the best depth. But, yeah, it's just exciting to have it back. One more sleep. We've got Combank Stadium tomorrow night, Melbourne Storm taking on Parramatta, last year's grand finalist. And both teams have got huge numbers missing. Reckon Origin, oh man, it's always obviously a feature of the year, but this year more than ever because the New South Wales coach Brad Fittler's off contract. And uh, last year, let's face it, many said it was the unlosable series considering who Queensland had out in game three. Of course, we knew better than that, Loz. I remember on the eve of that, we were saying, just don't discount that we've seen this too many times before. But gee, that's going to be anticipated this year just as much, maybe more so than ever is Origin. Oh, we'll Game be. one in Adelaide. I was only thinking about it yesterday. So, you know, the tier two nations are still available. To play. So you're looking at a back five for New South Wales of Tedesco, Adokar, probably Swali'i, Trebojevic, Latrell Mitchell. Oh. Let's see who's fit. Well, that's key. But, you know, if, if th- those five are fit, that's an awesome back line. That's without putting Nathan Cleary and Jack Whiten or Matt Burton. Luai. Luai. Luai in is your six. Yeah, it's a real shame how the Dwight York-MacArthur, I guess, divorces all unfolded. And on the back page of the Daily Telegraph and the Australian today is a Dwight York exclusive written by Julian Linden. The a, uh, the legend, the A-League and the ugly allegations is the headline on the back page of the telly. York's parting shot at pub club. On the back page of the Australian saying he was devastated at the way that his tenure ended. Uh, and, uh, well, MacArthur FC previously labelled his claims as incorrect and self-serving. So uh, York is claiming that uh, he wasn't referring to the players when he referred it as a pl- pub team. He was referring to the way that the club uh, was run. Now, naturally, MacArthur don't agree with York's claims, but uh, there's a couple of examples here that, uh, you know, his blow-up, particularly when he referred to it as a pub team, I think it was after a loss in Adelaide, um, it, that uh, Well, the club transferred Anthony Carter to a Portuguese club, but uh, he and the coaching staff weren't told until just before the match, just hours before that match, and uh, the player was told to get an Uber to the airport straight away. So, Either way, he's, he's been sacked, give him his money so he can leave the country. That sounds like that's the beef. He wants to go. He's accepted for... He doesn't know the exact reasons he's been fired. He's accepted it. They've got a new coach, so... Cut the cord, give him his money that you owe him and let him go. Yeah, it's now all a legal issue as well. So this is ugly. And this is his first, you know, managerial post. So It's not good for anyone. But I'll tell no. you now, if this, is, if this is how they're treating Dwight York, why does any other superstar, past player, want to come over here and coach? Why would you want to be a part of that? It's not, it's, it's not, it's not going to be good for anyone, this. Mm. The other thing, and you know... Just what the A-League doesn't need. Exactly what they don't need. And, you know, I look at MacArthur, they're getting one to 2000 a game, let's be honest. Right. Have they gone too quickly as far as expansion is concerned, particularly in Sydney? To have three teams in Sydney, Western United's the current A-League champions. Yeah. They're the same. They don't get people to their games as well. I just think sometimes you've got to be, especially with the fringe sports, and when I say fringe sports, I'm talking at a professional level, not participation, let's face it. Uh, rugby and football are just that rung below uh, the AFL and rugby league in Australia, whether people like it or not. So if you're going to expand, you've got to make sure that people are there that are going to go to the games and uh, you've got to have the professional um, administration to run the club in place and... <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, this is not a good situation for the A League, considering the profile that Dwight York has. Yeah. Well, he's not he's not leaving. He's not going back to Dubai or Europe saying nice things, is he? No. So no, he's not. I wouldn't have thought it's a good uh, it's a good experience for anyone in regards to promoting the A League out of Australia. And, Dog- he's, and he's not a small fish either. Not at all. Dog gone it. Season over for Thompson. Uh, we're just speaking about that before. Luke Thompson, a serious ankle injury there at training, had to be helped off. Uh, so at least six months recovery, Phil Gould said on social media yesterday. So a real blow for the dogs heading into round one. 
Uh, now, on the back page of the Herald, suits you. Bunnies go from Milan to Mudgee. They've got a new suit sponsor. They were uh, fitted out by, what, Giorgio Armani, was it, a couple of years ago? And now it's Ringers Western. Uh, Cap Relief Fair. If <laughs> Cap Relief Fair if Crichton can't play on Richardson. So uh, this debate around, and uh, this is a real sensitive one, obviously, that plenty of clubs will be looking at to see what the NRL does here after the Roosters. So we spoke about this yesterday. Uh, the Roosters have applied for salary cap relief for, for Angus Crichton, who is battling bipolar disorder, mental health issues. And it will be out for a period of time. And uh, Shane Richardson, of course, used to run the Bunnies. Uh, and uh, mentions the case of Greg Inglis and said it, and said that, uh, you know, they probably should be offered cap relief. But I know that plenty of other clubs will think the absolute opposite, Loz. This is a really, really difficult one. But I saw Andrew Abdo's comments saying this will be treated like any other injury. So well, that if it's treated like any other injury, then you get salary cap relief. And it happened away, well, they diagnosed it um, after a tour. Um, and we're always talking about the importance of state of mind and mental health. This might be something they have to look at it. But I can understand where some people would be frustrated and think that, hang on, we need to be careful when we assess players and we go for salary cap relief because it can be rorted. But you'd like to think that people wouldn't for that type of stuff. Surely not in 2023. But I think there's a bit of scepticism in all of us when it comes to the cap. Well, at the end of the day, a lot of people, when they're involved in sporting clubs, the only thing that matters is winning. Mm. So they will do anything to get that um, two points. Um, but when you're talking about someone's mental health, first and foremost, you want to make sure that they're getting the right and proper help and they can recover and get themselves on the right path. But this will be something that the NRL will have to deal with even more going forward because we're talking about it a lot more. Mm. We're speaking about it. Players are now prepared to talk about their state of mind, whereas 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, it was seen like a cowardly thing to do. And you just kept your thoughts to yourself. So this is only going to get bigger into the future. And the NRL, I suppose, when they're sitting down thinking about it, have to take that into consideration. Back page of the Australian as well. Plenty of cricket ahead of the third test today. Australia calls on Green Lantern. A headline there. Also, Smith downplays flare-up for slip-ups. And uh, we'll just talk about, I guess, some... Issues he's had it in the field in recent times, and he's got a condition similar to yours. He's got a degenerative, I think, disc, disc in his, in his back. back. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he played it down yesterday. But uh, you know, some there's a belief that you know he's not crouching down as low in the slips. He just drops some. You dropped a couple of catches. It happens, and generally, it, that, when you're dropping catches like that, because Smitty's a very good fielder and got very good hands, doesn't mean you catch everything that comes your way. You drop plenty through your career. But it's a sign that he's not as confident as he, he we want him. There is definitely that um, correlation between you know your batting form and your fielding form. It makes a difference, and it might be as simple as he's not watching the ball as closely as he would like. But he's genius in the field. Uh, he's our best player of spin, our best player in the team. So hopefully, him getting this opportunity to captain again just ignites that form and. He's back to his best, but yeah, it's it's not, no one means to drop catches. Um, so yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't, honestly don't see it as a big thing. I think you'll see him walk out there and hopefully lead from the front today and win the toss. Firstly, that'd be nice. I think on the looks of this pitch, we want to be batting first. If we're not batting first, I think we're uh, one thing we have done well is won the toss. We're yeah, running, we're good. chasing uphill yeah. big time if uh, if we don't win the toss on this pitch. But yeah, I just want to see Australia come out and play well. And again, big ask for Cameron Green. Like I said, and Mitchell Stark with their bowling, but also Cameron Green bats now at number six. To walk in on a wicket like this, you haven't played in India, Test Cricket India before. Save us, young man. Mate, it's going to be hard. Tough. Yeah, it's going to be tough on him. Dick Fane coming up shortly. Just uh, more team news, which came out yesterday afternoon. Your Raiders, Loz, named Seb Seb Chris at fullback. Denny Levi gets the nine jersey. Tom Starling in the fourteen. Josh Papali'i out, though, with a calf strain for their match against the Cowboys. So Seb Chris, Jordan Rapiner, uh will start on the wing after Rapiner played fullback in the trial 
uh, and of yeah, course Xavier, although, Sa- Xavier um, Savage is in out. that game. He spent majority of the time on his on the wing. Chris did move back there quite. Okay. He was, I think, he started even started there. Uh, Chris in that trial, so uh, it's not as if he's going in there without having played there. But uh, interesting decision. Um, Seb Chris and Tomoko last year were a good centre pairing, and uh, for the Raiders, you're hoping that they sort of improve on their performances last year. But Josh Papalii is a big loss for them uh, going up there to North Queensland. Uh, it's going to be difficult too. I think it's 5.30 Saturday afternoon, which is, what, 4.30 up there? Yeah. So it's going to be pretty warm, so it'll be difficult conditions. You look at this Cowboys outfit, it's a strong team. Uh, Both sides have named forwards on the bench too. And I think that might be the right call because it's going to be tough for them. Um, Cowboys are strong. You look at... Tamalolo, Nenai, Cohen, Hess in the back row, Ruben Cotter, McLean up front, Reese Robinson. Then on the interchange bench, they've got guys like Griffin Neen, Tanua Brown, J- Jimmy Tam, who's still there, J- Jack Granville. So, um, look, Cowboys are a very good team. The Raiders, they'd love to start the season off well. It's going to be difficult without Josh Papali there, but still a strong team. Uh, got a bit of depth this year, the Raiders, uh, but the Heat might play a part for them. They've uh, drifted. Pretty well, pretty considerably in the betting. Two seventy five out to three fifteen Canberra for that trip to Townsville and the Cowboys. The Cowboys did lose last year. Into a dollar thirty seven, they lost to the Dogs. Lost didn't to they? the Dogs, yeah. And people were thinking, "Yep, I've made that correct decision about having the Cowboys in the bottom four. Uh, well, I certainly did. I was sitting there going, "Yep, they're going to finish in the bottom four, the Cowboys for sure." And then they just surprised the hell out of me. Um, you know, guys like Drinkwater, they just played at a different level. Tommy Dearden got an opportunity um, and was very consistent with his football. The player that had more pressure on him than most was Chad Townsend, mm-hmm. and he delivered very, very well. Um, you know, he was the experienced head they were looking for, take control of this team and give them that stern direction, which they needed. Uh, take a bit of pressure off Jason Taumalolo. Uh, he sorted out his differences with the coach. He started to play longer minutes than he did the previous season. And something happened to that Cowboys team. They all got in behind the coach. They all started to play to their capabilities. And they got close to a grand final. How are you, Dick? Doing well, boys. How are you doing? Yeah, really well, thank you. Let's start with some NBA and the Lakers. Well, all of a sudden, it seemed to be going well post the big <laughs> trades. I think they were 4-1, and one, weren't they? And now it looks like they've lost... The one player they can't afford to lose. LeBron James, a foot injury. Uh, Sources saying what he's out for multiple weeks. Surely then they're cooked now, aren't they? You would think so. Um, I I don't know if there's going to be enough time. It just all depends on how well this team, this newly formed team, can kind of gel together. Um, You know, there's such a huge, uh, there's such a huge swath of teams between 30 and 32 losses. I'm, I'm counting 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 79. There are nine teams that have 30, 31, or 32 losses right now. This is as tightly a packed Western Conference as I've ever seen. And the Lakers are at that 32 loss mark. And so they don't have any wiggle room. If they were, you know, if they were where the Clippers are right now with 30 losses, the Mavericks with 30 losses, they've had a, they would have a little bit of wiggle room. But, you know, if they can go 500... During the time that LeBron's gone, let's say, let's say it is, they said they're going to reevaluate in two weeks. Well, they have one, two, three, four, five, six games between now and March 10th. Let's just say the very earliest he would come back would be Tuesday, March 14th. They would miss seven games and they would still have a good 12 or so, 12 to 14 games left. So if they were able to go 500, Four and three, even three and four without LeBron James. And if he comes back and he is true LeBron James from his injury, then, you know, I would give them an outside shot at squeaking in to one of those play in game spots, which at this point is really their only hope. Dick, Damian Lillard scored 71 points. Laurie's favorite player. What did you make of that <laughs> performance? You know, Damian Lillard is, is one of a kind, guys. Um, he sits up here in the Pacific Northwest, a couple hours south of me in Portland, and nobody really pays attention to the basketball team because they, they rarely do much. And he has gone on record and saying, you know, the grass isn't always greener, kind of calling out those players that continue to jump from team to team to team to try to win a championship. He's obviously very happy in Portland. And 
He is going to be known as one of the great greatest shooters of all time. Now, playing in the same era as Steph Curry, um, he will never be known as the greatest shooter of all time, but he has he's certainly cemented himself as the greatest shooter in today's, a second greatest shooter behind Steph in today's game, mm-hmm. and is climbing the list of all-time great shooters. I mean, he has now put himself, in my opinion, definitely in the top five in, in all-time greatest shooters. And, uh, you know, we had a conversation a few years ago about where Steph was at the time and and I mentioned hey you know he's definitely in the top three or four and now Steph's number one and Damian Lillard I would imagine will continue to climb that list and and probably still do it in Portland because he he loves it there and uh, obviously he is going to be seen as an absolute legend one of the all-time greats in Portland sports history of particular if he uh, continues his entire career there. But the 71 points is just unbelievable considering the efficiency. I mean, shooting over 50% from three-point range, just absolutely unbelievable. Just with that, Dick, well, why would he just stay there at Portland and not chase the rings? Well, I mean, first of all, there has to be a, a good fit. And, and this isn't to say that he's not going to do it later on in his career, but I just think some people have different values. And, and he obviously values the city that he lives in, and uh, he, he loves it there. He loves his team. And, and people would love probably... the loyalty, too, that, that he's showing to that team. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, and you know, this is a team that's it's interesting. It's, you know, it, it's a dangerous team. I mean, they're right there in the playoff mix. They'll probably be one of those play-in teams. They're one of those teams that the Lakers are, are fighting against to, to get a spot. But, you know, I don't want to play Portland in the first round in a, in a play-in game because, uh, you know, that is a, that's a dangerous basketball team. Not a team that can make it all the way to the conference finals or anything like that, but they could certainly win a, a legitimate, you know, they could win a play-in round. They may even be able to win a one round in the NCAA tournament or in the NBA tournament if, if Damian Lillard, you know, catches fire, which we know he does every two or three games. Over in the East, and Boston's still the, well, the championship favourites, uh, $4 with Tab. But Milwaukee have won 14 in a row. Wow. Uh, if you're having a bet today, well, let's start in the East. Are you backing the Celtics or the Bucks, Dick? I'm backing the Celtics. Um, I think there's a little more. I think there's a little more depth there. I think there's a, a, a little more defense there. It's very close, however. I mean, statistically, they're almost exactly the same in, in defense. I think there might be a, a little more. Uh, the, the Celtics, to me, just seem to have what it takes to be an NBA champion. I think that Milwaukee does as well. But, you know, that game between the Celtics and the Sixers this weekend was one of those that you had to watch. You know, the NBA is so long and there's not a lot of games that you have to sit down and say, I have got to watch this basketball game. But that was one of them. I mean, I went to a we took my kids to a restaurant. I was like, you know, I told the told the uh, the wait staff, please turn on uh, ABC. I want to see the Celtics and the, and the Sixers. I watched the I watched the entire first half on TV, got home, saw the second half, saw that, uh, you know, the buzzer beating shot. And then Joel Embiid, you know, throwing it in from 70 <laughs> feet. I thought the game was over and the Sixers had won and then they waved it off. It was just incredible theater. But I, I would say Boston, then a very thin line, then Milwaukee and then a fairly bold line and then the rest of the Eastern Conference and really probably the rest of the NBA as well as I I wish Boston and Milwaukee could play for the NBA championship. Although ratings wise, I'm sure that the uh, that the networks would love to see like a Kevin Durant against (laughs) Milwaukee or Kevin Durant against Boston in the NBA finals. That would uh, that would certainly drive the numbers. Uh, Talking of Kevin Durant, then when does he play his first game for the Suns? Looks like this week could be as soon as tomorrow. I think I, I think I read a report uh, that said potentially tomorrow. So Phoenix, uh, let's see, take a look at their schedule here. Phoenix tomorrow has Charlotte, and I believe that's when we're going to see KD for the first time. Uh, they've got a they're on a road trip right now. They just had a close loss to Milwaukee. I mean, that's you talk about an impressive loss. I mean, Phoenix only loses by three at Milwaukee on Sunday without Kevin Durant. So that kind of shows you uh, what type of team they are. And you know, the NBA's Western Conference, even though I don't think there's a team that's as good as Boston in the Western Conference. There are three or four teams that I'm really interested to see after these moves they've made, 
what the rest of the season is going to look like. What is the rest of Phoenix's season? What is the rest of the Clippers season going to look like? You mentioned uh, Los Angeles. What's the rest of the Lakers season going to look like after their moves? So uh, that's going to be a, a lot of fun. While I think Boston and Milwaukee are the two best teams, the Western Conference playoffs probably will be even more entertaining than the Eastern Conference playoffs because I think there's a much bigger gap between the top two teams in the East and the rest of the field than there is in the Western Conference. Even Denver, who's five and a half games clear in the Western Conference, there's a lot of people that just don't, including myself, that just don't believe that Denver's a dominant basketball team. I mean, their point differential is only four points per game. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do in, uh, in, in the rest of the season on the, in the Western side. Dick, the NFL offseason and the drums are beating louder that the Chicago Bears should trade their number one pick in the draft. Can you see it happening? I could see it happening. Uh, this is a unique year for quarterbacks. There are, there are quite a few that should be first-round draft picks. You're talking about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. I mean, I've seen all of them in mock drafts going in the top ten. And sometimes quarterbacks, well, all the time, quarterbacks get pushed up uh, due to the importance of the position. But I do think this year the quarterbacks are much more legitimate than they've been in the past few years. I've kind of poo-pooed the quarterbacks that have gone in the first round the past few years other than Trevor Lawrence. He was really the only guy that I, that I liked, and most of them have not been very good. I at least think that, that C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young um, will have good careers. Anthony Richardson is a guy that I think you just have to sit on the bench, teach him how to throw the football because he is an, as electric an athlete as I've seen at the quarterback position. I mean, he's basically Lamar Jackson, except he's like 25 pounds heavier and potentially even faster. So, I mean, that's a, he's a guy that's ripped off two 70-yard touchdown runs at the quarterback position. He just doesn't know how to throw a football very well right now. So he would be perfect. Honestly, I think Anthony Richardson would be perfect for a team like the Seahawks because they have a quarterback right now for the short term in Geno Smith, who I think could be a really good mentor for a guy like Anthony Richardson. So you sign Geno to a couple of year contract. And then after that contract is over, you've got Anthony Richardson, just a freak athlete waiting in the wings with about two years of seasoning in your system. I think that could be a, a really nice setup for a team like Seattle. And Seattle's not the only team that's like that. There's other teams out there that have quarterbacks in their low to, uh, low to mid thirties that uh, will probably be ready for a rookie in a couple of years. What is happening with Lamar Jackson, Dick? Boy, that's a great, that's the, that's the $32 million question. I mean, that's the franchise tag is $32 million. And uh, they have to decide, do they want to put the franchise tag on Lamar Jackson? If they do, other teams can negotiate with Lamar Jackson on a long-term deal. But if they were to sign Lamar Jackson, they would have to give the Ravens two first-round draft picks, their next two first-round draft picks. I think that's a pretty good deal for Baltimore, honestly, because I really think you've gotten the best years out of Lamar Jackson. His best years are behind him because he is such a great athlete, because he is not an elite passing quarterback. It's the passing quarterbacks that get you into, you know, playing into their 30s and close to 40. I mean, look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady never did anything athletically, <laughs> but mm. he could throw a football. Drew, Drew Brees, incredibly accurate, could play till he was 40 because he had the knowledge of the game and he was incredibly accurate. That's not Lamar Jackson's game. And if you look at Lamar Jackson's numbers and his, particularly his rushing numbers, they have gone down. Even his passing numbers have gone down the last couple of years. He's starting to get more banged up. I just don't think I'd give Lamar Jackson a long-term contract. And I think the Ravens are really weighing that decision right now. Uh, it's time for the weekly Aaron Rodgers question. <laughs> I see uh, the Green Bay, uh, the administration there might have put a deadline on him. Yeah, it seems, I mean, I don't think there's any question that Green Bay is irritated with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I, I think all of this, these shenanigans uh, Green Bay can just, can just do without. I think they'd love to have Aaron Rodgers back. I think they feel like, even though they had a down year last year and didn't make the playoffs, I still think they feel, they believe that they can be a Super Bowl contending team with Aaron Rodgers. I think maybe those days are behind them, honestly, but they feel like that. Um, but also, I think they are very, very open to a team that gives them the right price for Aaron Rodgers. And right now, we really just don't have that good an indication on what the right price is. I mean, the right price on a 
Aaron Rodgers in his prime would be multiple first and second round draft picks. Remember, the Seahawks got two firsts, two seconds, and three players for Russell Wilson. You're not going to get that for Aaron Rodgers because he's so much older than Russell Wilson. But I still think you could get a first round draft pick, maybe a couple of players and, and a lower round draft pick for Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not so sure I wouldn't pull that trigger if I'm not Green Bay because I don't think they're a team that can win 12 games anymore with Aaron Rodgers. And if that's the case, you might as well load up on picks, save the 45 plus million dollars that Aaron Rodgers is making and uh, you know, kind of do a quick rebuild kind of what Seattle did I mean Seattle did a quick rebuild last year right they got rid of Russell Wilson they got those picks they did incredibly well with those picks and all of a sudden the Seahawks were in the playoffs the very next year so they didn't go through that huge dip where they only win four or five games I see in the baseball Dick they've made a few rule changes and it's causing confusion in particular with the fans Yes, but I think in the end, it's going to be very, very positive. Um, baseball has not made a lot of great decisions over the last few years, but I do think that these decisions are good. And what they're doing is they're putting a clock on the pitcher and they are putting a clock on the hitter. So the pitcher has to uh, get rid of the pitch in 15 seconds. The batter has to be in the box with eight seconds left on that, uh, on that pitch clock. And we've actually already seen in spring training games end because of a rules violation, we had a situation with Boston and Atlanta the other day where there were bases loaded, three balls, two strikes, so you've gone as far as you can go. A, a strike ends the game, a ball ends the game, and if the batter does not get into the box in time, he gets an automatic strike on him. And if the pitcher does not release the pitch in time, it's an automatic ball. And so you got to the point of no return, the the umpire called time the batter actually walked to first base he thought the violation was on the pitcher and he thought he'd won the game and instead the umpire pointed him and said nope you're out game over and so i hope there will be a little a little leniency um we had a, a former major league baseball player on our show yesterday who who brought up a great idea he said we can't have this in the ninth inning you can have pitch clocks from inning one through eight mm. But if it's a close game in the ninth inning, you got to turn the pitch clock off because nobody wants to see a game that is a, a spectacular game. It's going along quick. They've lowered the time of games by 23 minutes due to these new rules. It's an incredible difference. But nobody wants to see a game end like that. So maybe be a little lenient in the ninth inning. Yeah, good call. Uh, what was the reaction to the fight between... Tommy Fury and Jake Paul in Saudi Arabia, where Jake Paul suffered his first loss. What's sort of been the reaction and fallout from that? You know, it's a, it's a niche audience, but I did see all of the... Uh, I didn't watch the fight live, but I did see, you know, all of the interviews and everything on, on, on Twitter afterwards. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I, Fury, was, or uh, Paul, rather, was... Uh, it looked like he was going to be pretty gracious in defeat and then yet he talked and then he started talking about how great his life is and everything and people were kind of you know wasn't a, there wasn't a great reception i didn't think from the fans to, to to jake paul but what i do think is that we're going to get another fight yeah. um because there were the eyeballs there was some attention and it was such a close fight and a controversial fight people had uh, issues with the uh, with the referee as well that i think uh, we'll, we'll definitely get a rematch uh, we just got a question from a listener. Can you ask, Dick, what is the purpose of the XFL? Uh, <laughs> which is, uh, it's privately owned, isn't it, the XFL? Yeah, The Rock's one of the owners That's right. um, of, the, of the XFL. Um, I think the purpose is to try to establish a place where players that are out of college can go to play because there's really no minor league football. Um, the minor leagues for football are our universities and our universities are big, big money. I mean, you, I'm sure you've seen the stadiums before, 90,000, 100,000 fans. College football is huge and college football is a, is a free minor leagues for the NFL. So the NFL really doesn't need to pay for a minor leagues situation. So the XFL has come in and we've had other minor leagues before that have tried to start up none of them last very long. So the XFL is coming in with some new technology and they're, they're being very forthcoming in, in replays and everything. So there is some cool things that they're doing and it's great for players that can't quite make the NFL. They have an opportunity to still play, make a little bit of money, be on national TV and maybe get seen by one of the NFL teams. So I don't really have any problem with it. 
although I haven't watched any of the games yet, and we have a team here in Seattle, so I'm not really uh, all that into it. Thank you so much, mate. Have a good week. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Third test starts today. Australia and India in indoor. India $1.35 with tab. The Aussies $5. The draw $7. Yesterday across the ditch, though, we saw uh, something... That's very, very rare indeed. New Zealand beat England by one run to draw that series at one all. And uh, New Zealand became the fourth team to win a test after following on. It's the first time we've seen that since the famous Calcutta test back in 2001, when, of course, uh, India and Australia, well, Australia made 445, and then India, after being rolled for 171 and being forced to follow on, well, there was that partnership between Laxman and Dravid and they batted all day and uh, eventually Harbhajan spun them to victory. Uh, before that was the famous Ian Botham test at Headingley in 1981 where England followed on and eventually won. And before that, well, Australia lost to England back in 1894-95 after following on. So that's how rare that is. But England were 5 for 80, pup, chasing 258 when Harry Brook was run out for a diamond duck. How often do you see that as well? A diamond duck. So they were in froth and bubble. Then Joe Root and Ben Stokes came together. Their two best players and put on 121, which took them past 200. Root eventually out for 95. Stokes 33. But we saw high drama towards the end. And and particularly, I mean, some of the stuff I was watching, I couldn't understand. Neil Wagner, uh, the New Zealand quick. When you bowl into a tail ender, do you have to bounce every ball? Bowl mm. fast, mm. straight, and full to tail enders? <laughs> no. Anyway, he was very lucky, I thought, on the penultimate ball, and I saw Jimmy Anderson blowing up just after was he was wide, dismissed, it? where it could have very well been called the wide. It was wide. Definitely wide. Mm. But chin up, England. <laughs> I'm, I'm not disappointed. Well done in New Zealand. Uh, awesome test match. Awesome day five. It's what you want to see. There was a bit of rain, obviously, on I think it was day three. So England... Um, really had a crack, you know, in, in enforcing the follow-on, trying to win the series, trying to win the test match. Um, look, watching yesterday, there was just, I think at one stage I was England unlosable now with that partnership between Joe Root and Ben Stokes. Stokes, he's hurt his knee. He's had a bad knee for a while, but he was struggling. But what he did, he batted for a long period of time. So it allowed that um, partnership to continue with Joe Root just being a class above. And then he got out, uh, again, you talk about Wagner bowling, that short stuff. He premeditated a bouncer, tried to pull a ball that wasn't there to pull, went straight up in the air, and then again, collapsed, wicket, wicket, wicket. Then I think they needed 45, eight down, with folks to keeper at the crease. And you were like, no way, New, New Zealand, game over, can't lose. Um, then it gets down to, you know, <laughs> one run. So unbelievable test match, great four-test cricket. Like I say, war under New Zealand for holding their nerve. But, um, yeah, oh, England might, you know, so at least we made a game of it and we had a crack and we don't really care about the result. But that test match was definitely there to to win for, for England. At, at one stage, they, sh- they should have they should have got them six down. Mm. Yeah, you can say that and be generous again in your declarations and things like that. Mm. But if you continue to lose, yep. even if you lose like that, well, it's, it's not good. Well, yeah. that's what I thought out of the test yesterday. England seemed... I don't want to say they cool were happy. with it. Yeah, they were like, but oh, yeah. Stokes was yeah, like, oh, what a test match. We're yeah. all about bringing entertainment back to test cricket. That's fine yep. yeah. until you start to lose. Yep. If we did, Because oh, oh, I thought if we declared eight down, enforced a follow-on and lost a test match, we would be well, the, we the would old be school. The old school, because I, I certainly copped it, the old school uh, past players particularly would be like, you gave a test match to an opposition. Hmm. You, why wouldn't you take a draw there and you win the series 1-0? That's what they would be saying. It was a two-match series. But you give a test match to the opposition. Um, you know, you never do that. that that's old-school thinking. But, oh, look. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. When you make decisions as a leader, it's it's no different to, you know, decisions you make on the field tactically. You, you're the captain's the one who makes the decision in regards to when your team's going to declare or if you're going to enforce the follow-on. That's the risk you take. If you win, you're a genius. If you lose, that loss is, mm. is on you. So, yeah, it seems like England are, are very chilled about it. But like a lot of this Basball talk, if they start losing because they're mm. going too hard or risking losing too much, 
then there will be the other side. But in regards to watching Test cricket, it was a cracker test. And yesterday was a, a great day of Test yeah. cricket. I, I just couldn't believe because there was so much time left in. And what was it, 250 lead? 250, uh, Must have been the rain. Had, oh, no, no, no. But the lead in the... Oh, it wasn't t- even that, was 226 it? 226. 226, I thought. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking... Any time, because I've heard you guys say before, it doesn't matter. Any time, yep. majority of pitches, there's something in it on the last day. Definitely gets harder to bat 99% yep. of the time. So the other option England could have had, they could have walked out, slogged 100, yep. give themselves 330 hmm. or 350 leads. Essentially batted them out of That's the That's what 99% of teams would yeah. have done, for sure. But they might have been thinking there's more rain around or, you know what, we're... We're good enough to, to bowl the New Zealand out again, or we're good enough to chase 200 or at least defend it, uh, you know, 200 and not, knock it out. But mm. no, nah, it was um, some of the shots. Like, again, England played oh. some. Like seeing that, what's his name? Ollie Pope, number three, oh, charged, charged the second ball of his innings. Like he didn't, have, like, they had so much time and they had a whole day to make 200 runs. I, I, I just don't understand that if that if that's their style of play that they think that's going to be okay against an attack like the Aussies. I, I, I'm that's that's a real positive sign for us. I reckon going. They're going to give you chances, mate. Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins, um, Boland, Boland. If you think you're going to run down the wicket when you're on zero and play a beautiful cover drive over cover for four or six, jeez, I'll stand and clap. That's for sure. But, yeah, I think if, if they are going to play this aggressive brand of cricket, I think you can probably get away with it against the lesser teams. If you've got a, a good opposition that you're coming up against, um, there's a lot more risk. You can be bowled out for, for not many, that's for sure. Well, as it stands with Tab for the Ashes, series winner market, England $1.85 favourites. Australia $2.50 and a drawn series is paying $7. Got to say, I'll... Favourites to win the Ashes. Yeah, I'm okay with that. That's okay. So they should be. I wasn't that disappointed either when it was Jimmy Anderson that nicked it down the leg. Yeah, old the mate from your mm. minor saying absolutely priceless. The look chin on up. his face. Chin <laughs> up. Number one bowler in the world at 40. He's a genius with the ball, but yeah, I don't mind seeing yeah. Jimmy nick it down the leg. So, and you're right, the ball before... Oh, could have been a lie. It was, it was unhittable down the oh. leg side. Jimmy but was blowing up. I wasn't. I was happy. I was like, good core, Tuck. Mm. Rob Tucker, the umpire, great fella. It's time. It's the moment of truth. Top eights. We're giving our top eights Ooh. for season 2023. And let's hand it over to Raiders legend, L Daly. Because there's Mal Meninga coming in. <laughs> we got Mal here. Bradley <laughs> well, I just Big wanted, I just wanted to re- Belcher, where's Gary? I just wanted to re-emphasize <laughs> that Loz is the expert. In this, yeah, that's we're, you we're, know what we're the Pelicans, and I actually like that you've asked him first, so I might be able to change just a couple of mine before I have to do mine. <laughs> and you can only pick eight. Oh, oh I got trying to pick nine. Well, you it's know what? I'm trying mate. to get nine. I'm eight, token mate. I'm getting my tigers. Oh, in. I hate this. Yeah. Why? Because Why you because get... people are going to go, you're wrong, no, you're wrong, you're you, wrong. Because you get it so wrong. I love that. That's why it's so good. Oh. Maybe different when you're the expert. Love. One to eight, please. You actually, with all your expertise mm. as a player, yeah. as a coach, yep. as a mentor, as a whatever you're going to be for Manly, mm. mate, you should not get one of these wrong. 100%. You That's all I'm saying. I'm expecting you to have Very it 100% right. Do I get it wrong? But yeah. anyway. No. A little bit opposite rare. to your multi. Sorry, did I say that loud? Yeah, I didn't mean did. I'll take that back. You Sorry. Take that back. That was just a <laughs> so this is the locked-in guaranteed top eight for season Well, this is my top eight. You ready for it? I'm ready. No, I'm no ready. particular order? No, I'm, one to eight. Righty up. What do you one mean no eight. particular order? <laughs> Righty up. I've got the Roosters. Yes. South Sydney. Whoa. Penrith. Cowboys. Sharks. Manly. Storm. Raiders. Okay. No Parramatta in no. your eight. I don't have them either. Oh, my God. It's a rocks or diamond season yes. for the Eels. I'm with not making the eight, you reckon? Oh, I wanted to put him in, but I couldn't find a position. Let's not tell Gutho. And last year, what? I, was, I was thinking they could win it. Who's number eight? Raiders. Raiders. Yeah, okay, so that's your heart. That's not your head. No, no, no I think the Raiders will be more than competitive. So, Parrot oh out, Manly in. In. That's the only change. I, and you know why I sort of went that way? There's two reasons. One, I'm expecting Tom to play all season. If he does, that's a big one. And very rarely do you get the same eight in the top eight 
the following year. So it's I just thought I need to. It wouldn't surprise me if it's the same top eight. It just doesn't. History tells you. It doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. History, history. What a load of rubbish. Records are made well, to be broken. History. Mate. I mean, well, do you want sorry, mine? It is history. Do you want mine? <laughs> Go. Three Pete for the Panthers. They are winning the grand final this year. Yep. They are playing the Roosters. Cronulla third. South fourth. Parramatta fifth. Cowboys sixth. Manly seventh. Melbourne Storm eighth. Tigers ninth. So who's in? Manly's in and Raiders, Raiders out. Raiders out. Who was your fourth place? Fourth is Rabbitohs. Penrith, Roosters, Sharks, Rabbits, Eels, Cowboys, Manly, Melbourne. Couldn't get the Tigers in. No. Oh, they're pretty good at finishing ninth in the last decade Yeah, okay, or so. okay, okay, okay. Uh, okay. I've gone the North Queensland Cowboys, one. To win it. And to win the premiership. Two Roosters. Three Cronulla, four Penrith, five Manly, six Souths, seven Broncos, eight Storm. So Raiders and Para out of the eight. Brisbane, Manly in. Broncos, you reckon? Kevy will be happy with you. Just love their forward pack. And if their Did backs can limit those mistakes. Yep. Yeah, an exciting back line. I think their forward pack is... Well, it's young and aggressive, oh. like Flegler and Carrigan and yeah. uh, these top paint Haas. Mm. Uh, they're, they're a good side, the Broncos. And it's difficult. To, you, know, you could make a case for a lot of those teams, but you can't put them all in. You've got to go eight. So we, we, we've got a consensus with, what, Penrith, Roosters, Shark Souths, Cowboys. There's five. Yep. Did you, who did you um and ah about? Because I ummed and ah about Manly. I thought about... Storm. The Raiders and Storm. They, they were the three for me. Yeah. Well, Raid, Raiders, Raiders, I think, were... Why do you, I think why do you not have a, uh, an opinion of the Raiders? No, I like the Raiders. Like yeah, but, no, but I mean... No, I like them. I, I, do, I, think, yeah. I think for eighth, I, I think there was probably... Oh, I'll say four teams that I think I could have... And again, I'm saying the Tigers, that is with heart. Yeah. Like, if I've got Melbourne in my eighth position, I think Melbourne are a better team than the Tigers, for example. But I, yeah. I, I think they're only just a better team than the Tigers, uh, than the Raiders. Yeah. Um, so I, I, Broncos, like, I think they could squeeze into the eight as well. So yeah. there's there's three. three. I worry about I, Melbourne yeah. uh, because of the injuries, injuries they've got. Yeah. And Pappenhausen, that's a concern. I, yeah. So I, Did you see I, the, was, I saw the highlights yesterday of his injury. Terrible. Oh, a shattered knee. Mate, the pain he was in on the yeah. ground and the front on tackle, it just looked like. He's, but he's going to have to tackle like that. How, how does that leave your brain? How do you not mm. get in that same position? I think it was Whiten. Yeah, Jack, Jack Whiten that. Re- yeah. like, again, I'm sure Jack's a just big, clashed. strong boy, but mate, he's going to tackle second row, front row. Like. But I don't think too many people have sustained that injury before. Yeah, okay. And I don't know so how many painful. have come back and had the same explosive speed. Mm. So that's my concern with Ryan. He's still got one of the best players in the world, Munster. Yeah. Like that to me is why I think Melbourne still, he's just, he's like a Tommy T. He just will win yeah. games on his own. No. That's why I think I still think Melbourne will... Well, they always try hard. And if you win 12 games or 13 games, yeah. you're close to making... The final, so that's what I banked having Melbourne in my eight was I think they can win 12, 13 games. Okay, I'm going to get a quick spoon tip off you, but oh. are you ready for these text, text messages? I, I just and, read, and please, I just read one. Oh. <laughs> Tell us what you really think. Zero four one nine seven six seven two seven two. Promise you, I haven't um, been drinking. One sounds Clark. <laughs> Clark sounds inebriated. Uh, says Aaron. Uh, um, Good luck, Daly, getting a car space at Cumberland. What a flee. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, please, pup, get off the gear, mate. There's absolutely no way Penrith will do the three-peat. Dino from the gong. Okay, you're we'll off your see. head, we'll Mido, says the double wheel. <laughs> Loz, I love you, brother, but you're on drugs, not having power in the eight. They'll be in the four for sure, and we'll win it this year, says Warney from Newcastle. 
Uh, <laughs> As we Sorry, said, Jets. everyone's Ladies. entitled to their own opinion. <laughs> Feel free to send your aid in, boys and girls. Don't hold back. Yeah. <laughs> so, and no, I'm not drunk. Not in, yet, anyway. In the most losses market, oh. Dolphins 260, Dragons 5, Newcastle 6, Warriors 8, Titans and Tigers $10.15 and longer the rest. Wooden spoon. All right. I know it's... Uh, it's Wooden spoon. Oh, this is hard. Look, I'm going to go Dragons in a... Photo finish with the Newcastle Knights. There you go. You just burnt two teams. At least if you only burn one, you only get bashed by some fans. You've just burnt two. So Knights, Dragons, fighting off wooden spoon. Dragons just get it by a pimple. (sighs) I don't want to put the Dolphins because I think they might go better. I'm going Dolphins just because it's their first year. And I think if they do have any injuries, they're really going to struggle. Even though I really hope that's not the case. I'd love to see them do, you know, Mm. get... Six, seven wins. That'd be awesome for the competition. Awesome for the way they start. But I'm really nervous this year. Oh, right. I want to be wrong. Uh, I haven't really thought about my wooden spooner, but I'm I'm going to go. I'll go Warriors. Okay. Uh, it's time to share the abuse around oh. and you get someone else to give their top eight. This is my fa- this is, that's my favourite. Right now is my favourite part so of good. the year. It's yeah. the All of this abuse that comes in, oh, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you have dolphins as wooden spoon? Yeah. Uh, Adam Peg Gilly, good morning. Geez, those tips went well, boys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, here, I, I, I hate the picking the wooden spooners, but is the dolphins just too obvious? And do you think that'll happen? Uh, you've got to put your neck on the line, Moz. And I am tipping the Dolphins to get the wooden spoon at right. this stage. And I, I, like, listen, I think they can win a few games this year. But like Clarkie said, if, if they get a few injuries, they're going to be in all sorts, I reckon. I just don't think they've got the depth there to be able to cover. But you could probably say that about a number of clubs, yeah, to be fair, because the, the talent pool is definitely spread out this year. And speaking to a lot of clubs, they, they realise they don't have the depth to what they've had the last two or three years. And even just losing two or three guys from each team just puts a strain on the rest of that roster. So... Um, yeah, I, I honestly think that the Dolphins will still be the team probably to get the wooden spoon. I expect that Newcastle will have a really tough year as well and might, might be down there as well. And I'm desperately hoping not, but I can hope the Dragons can claw their way out of the bottom four and, and, and see what they can do. But they're the three that I sort of circled to be, to be down there this year. Have be done an eight? By yeah, I have, Jared. Go for yeah, it. I Give have. it to us. I have. Yeah, yeah. So I'll go in order. Obviously, I've got the Roosters, uh, Sharks, Penrith and South as my top four, which I think is pretty standard to a lot of people. Uh, after that, I've got the Cowboys, uh, Parramatta, Storm, and the last team I've got squeezing into the eight is Manly. I've got, I've got that last spot being a battle between Manly, uh, the Broncos, and uh, the Raiders. They're the, they're the teams that I think are vying for the eighth spot. So I've only made one, cha- one change to my top eight from last year. That's Manly going in and the Raiders potentially missing out. And I probably had the Raiders, to be fair, in the top eight maybe two or three weeks ago, but... I think that injury to Xavier Savage is really crucial to them. He's going to miss a, a fair chunk of the start of the season. So uh, I've just tilted the scales back towards Manly, but could go either way on that last spot in the eight. All right. Let's talk some racing and uh, this Imperatriz. Looking forward to seeing it for the Canterbury Stakes on Saturday, of course. Final fields barrier draws today. Yeah, what price did this mare go up, Jared, when she went in the all-in market? Because some people were saying they got double figures, didn't oh, they? I uh, did, yeah, I didn't see that. It, it may well have. It may yeah, well have, but I didn't see that early. Yeah, yeah. I, I know Mark Walker had all along said that the new market handicap was going to be her first up run over here in Australia, then sort of changed tack about a week or a week and a half ago. And to be fair, I think he's made the right move because the new market handicap's going to go up a pretty strong race. You'll have to meet I Wish I Win. And just looking at these Canterbury Stakes, I don't think it's going to be a vintage field this year for the Group 1. It looks like it's going to be a race lucky in depth to mine. So I can understand why he's decided to come up to Sydney with her. And her form in New Zealand is just rock solid. Like she, We know she handles all ground. She's good around this sort of six furlongs to seven furlong range. She's got a bit of residual fitness on her side against a couple of these horses that are still early in their campaign. So I can understand she's going to be extremely likable with Canterbury Stakes on the weekend. And I can understand why the market's gravitating towards her. How are these international horses going to go this autumn? Yeah, it's very hard to get a gauge on them, Loz. I, I, there's a lot of people who have much more of a grip or a handle on the European form than me. But I just noticed that Ray Thomas has done an interview with Joseph O'Brien in the in the Telegraph today saying that one of these horses, raised you might potentially take on Animo in the Queen Elizabeth Stakes. So just look, quickly looking at his form, he's well, pretty much last year, every run he had was a mile and a half and beyond. So first of all, alarm bells start going for me thinking, well, he's going to be sharp enough to match our horses over here in Australia over over a mile and a quarter. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see if Joseph just gang tackles his Sydney Cup 
because that race is worth a heck of a lot of money these days. We know our staying ranks a little bit thin on the ground. So I'd imagine you probably have two or three runners in that race. I'm not sure if they'll actually target this horse towards the Quinlan's Estates and, and taking on Animo. So I'll wait and see these horses do a bit of work at Canterbury in the next couple of weeks and really try and dig into their form a little bit closer to the championships. But yeah, it's uh, fascinating to see these potentially thinking about running in the $5 million QE against Animo in the championships. Now, for the All-Star Mile this year, the top 10 vote-getters have been announced. Yeah, no surprise, Jared, that Alligator Blood has topped the votes with a little bit over 18,000 there. He's a horse that's been in fantastic form the last six months. He's a very popular horse as well, so he's got his spot sealed in the race. And I think if you, if you remember correctly, I'm sure he started favourite in this race three years ago in 2020, the end of his sort of three-year-old campaign, and he just comes to the end of it by then and was quite disappointing and then completely lost his form. But he's back now and understandably has racked up a whole heap of votes. I think where the concept gets a little bit iffy sometimes is I wish I win has picked up the second amount of votes, but he's going to be targeting the new market this week and probably unlikely to head towards the all-star mile, you would have thought. And then again, we've got Alligator Blood's old sparring partners there. I'm Thunderstruck's going to be there again. Brightside will be there. So some of those horses he's been running around against in, in a lot of these group ones down there in Melbourne will obviously all meet again for the All-Star Mile, and um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. It's on Slipper Day uh, in, at Mooney Valley, 18th of March. Yeah, Same that's going to be a huge day, day isn't it, Jared? Oh. Huge day of racing. You got anything at Warwick Farm today? Yeah, I like race three, number one, Jewelry Loz. Uh, I think she's found her right race now coming to town. She was extremely good at Kemble last start. I think her form before that was relatively decent, so... I know she's probably going to settle midfield, potentially second half of the field at Warwick Farm, which is probably not what you want uh, on paper, but I think she's good enough to overcome that. So it's race three, number one, jewelry, my best on the program at Warwick Farm. And just on the NRL, boys, if you're looking for something in the future, I actually like Ronaldo Molotalo to be top try scorer this year. I think he was around 21 or $26 when I looked. I think, I think the Sharks are in for a big year. I think Ronaldo's going to bag a ton of tries this year. And uh, if Alex Johnson can't stay on the field, I think Ronaldo might be the man to sneak under a few punters' guards. Okay, that's a good little plug, little bet. Top try scorer, Ronaldo Mulatalo. Well, surprise, surprise, Alex Johnston, the $4.50 favourite. But Mulatalo is $23. Love it. We'll make a statue of you if that uh, gets up, Adam. Thanks so much. Put that on the record, Jared, and we'll, uh, we'll chat about it later in the year. <laughs> Thanks, Eves. See you, boys.